Gad, this is Pinky of Pinky and the Brain, and you are listening to An Elegant Weapon. It's the only thing the Brain and I listen to just before we take over the world, which means we listen a lot, because we've never really taken over the world, have we? Oh well. No. An Elegant Weapon is brought to you by Nemesis Studios. An Elegant Weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Hello, children. It's the Janairas here with an unusual beginning to the show, which any of you regular listeners know means that I have been on location and the travels and journeys have been extensive. It's been weeks, kids, weeks and weeks of springtime Comic-Con action that I have been tossing you your way all the way from the GTA Comic-Con to the Motor City Comic-Con to Denver Comic-Con 2015. That's right, kids. Uh, I finally got to get out to Denver to hook up with my brothers in the Points of Interest Podcast Network as we were given an exhibition table at Denver Comic-Con in the Podcast Peak section. Isn't that rad? Thank you, Denver Comic-Con, for having the foresight to include a Podcast Peak because we's a growing, kids. Um, this was supposed to come out a little earlier than it did, so I need to apologize uh, that this didn't quite get posted as quickly as usual, but I am afraid that I was confronted with a tragedy within my lifetime. Uh, my grandma died. Very, very sad. Uh, but we're sticking together. We're getting through it, talking of the good times, hugs, tears, and all that awesomeness in the family. So uh, many of you, many of you kind, awesome, wonderful people were kind enough to send your warm thoughts and positive vibes this way for the loss of my wonderful grandmother, Joan Clark. She was an incredible woman, uh, loved to sing, loved to laugh. She was always smiling, and she was uh, that typical sweet, amazing, encouraging, imagination-run-wild grandma that uh, everyone hopes they have. So rest in peace, Grandma. I will miss you. But the show must go on, as Grandma would have always said. So uh, rest in peace, uh, thoughts and prayers from some, thoughts and love from others for you, my grandmother, Joan McMaster-Clark. Rest in peace. We love you, lass. Um, but on to the good times. On to the good times that occurred two weeks ago when I finally got to meet up with my POI brothers, uh, Francis Fernandez and El Jaquez. That's right. The 303 Ninja himself, the El Jaquez. So uh, we hooked up. We did Denver Comic Con. We did it right. It was an amazing time and it was an amazing organization. It was very Fan Expo-esque. I felt very at home there, very large. The Colorado Convention Center is an incredible place, uh, very good setup, uh, easily the best volunteers and customer service I have ever encountered at a con. The nicest, most helpful, gracious, glad-to-be-there people. So bravo, Denver Comic Con. You've got that down pat. Uh, incredible events, incredible exhibitions, a lot of things I'd never seen at other cons before, which is really cool. only thing that threw me off a bit is uh, – See, I appreciate Fan Expo for being a Fan Expo. Uh, when you go ahead and label yourself a Comic-Con, you kind of want to have a lot of comics there. There's a bit lacking in that area from what I'm used to. Not that there were none. There were a few booths there, a lot of comic companies selling their wares. Artist Sally was, of course, a, a very decent size. Um, a lot of newcomers, a lot of new faces. Not too many recognizable names there. 
um, a couple, uh, mainly good friend of the show, Mr. Mark McKenna was there, so it was fun to hang out with him, uh, shoot the shit, have some pints. Uh, always great to see you, Mark. You're a fantastically fun and supportive fellow. Um, but yeah, uh, other than, uh, you know, I mean, also, you got to give it to this con. It's a four-year-old con that just broke 100,000 people. That's an incredible feat. I don't know if that's been done anywhere else in the world uh, that quickly. So they're still growing, and uh, they still got a lot to learn, um, but they've got a lot of stuff licked, uh, especially having a bar every 50 feet or so. Bravo to that. Uh, Only in America. America! Can I walk around drinking beers at a Comic-Con? Fantastic thing. First happened in Philly. Now it's happened in Denver. Uh, and a beautiful, beautiful city. Denver is, by the way, just gorgeous. Modern, tourist-friendly, uh, clean, uh, gracious, nice, polite people. And, of course, those mountains blew my fucking mind. Uh, an amazing thing for 360 degrees around you. Nothing but snow-capped mountains. Absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous place to attend a Comic-Con full of gorgeous people. So here's the lineup. This is how this is going to roll. We're going to roll into the show with a regular live intro featuring myself and the El Haquez. Uh, after that, we're going to roll into the two main interviews of this episode, which uh, I am staggeringly honored to have had uh, a chat with Mr. Kevin J. Anderson. Uh, Motor City Comic Con got to meet John Ostrander, one of the men I consider to have written my Star Wars, and Kevin J. Anderson, of course, is right there, being the second author to have ever been brought into the Star Wars universe. Uh, he is a big part of the brain trust that created the expanded universe, or what we know now as Star Wars Legends. And we talk about this a bunch. He talks about the early days of the EU and how all those things came together. Um, and it's super, super cool. Uh, it was an amazing experience to get to chat with him. I've read so many of his books, and uh, the guy's just got it going on. After that, I get to chat with his Padawan, in fact, his protege, Mr. Peter J. Wax. He is the author of Second Paradigm, and I love talking to this guy. This guy was super cool. He's been an actor. He was in Revenge of the Nerds. Uh, he's done a lot of things, but as uh, Kevin J. Anderson's Padawan protege uh, author, he's written Second Paradigm, and uh, he's into a bunch of stuff that we chat about. And uh, you know me, kids. I love my chronology. I love my timey-wimey. I love messing with time travel. It's just the, the best way to write a story, guys damn it and that's what peter j Witt wax is doing so uh after that uh you're gonna hear a little bit of rambling i ate some chocolate chocolate provided to me by the el Haquez. kids i have some advice for you um if you go to comic-con be careful what you eat <laughs> uh know your gongibles and know what you're getting into um I thought I knew what I was doing, and uh, actually so did the El Haquez, and uh, things got a little bit more loopy than we had intended, but you'll hear that for yourself uh, with a bit of uh, my ramblings. Uh, I was sitting alone at the con at a table with a sign that said, come talk to me, and I was barely able to talk to anybody, but luckily I was able to talk to you, so I spewed off what uh, is a bit of nonsense at the end there that I think you will enjoy. It's a bit of a hoot. It's seriously, it's a bit of a hoot to laugh at. So, uh, but in between those, what we're going to have is some Animaniac sing-along. That's great. All these interviews will be woven together with uh, Randy Rogel and Rob Paulson. Uh, I finally got to meet Rob Paulson, kids. 
absolutely amazing. He said he's up for doing the uh, the podcast sometime, so I'm going to hold him to it. I'm going to make it happen because it would be a dream come true. Uh, it was one of those situations where meeting my heroes was not a bad thing. They say don't meet your heroes. So glad I met this one because he was so kind, so gracious. Uh, it was unbelievable. He thanked me for Garmi on Talking Tunes because I've been pushing it so hard. He just thought he's thanking me for thinking that he's, you know, worth being i don't know it's just too much grace man those guys need to get together we're gonna make it happen don't worry we will make it happen um so even if we get them on here that's gonna be a dream come true but as you heard pinky opened the show yakko is gonna be dropping something real soon and uh what an incredible time he was so nice he sent a message to my four-year-old son as donatello asking him to be the fifth ninja turtle in canada because they don't have any my kid's head almost explode it was like his face lit up like a christmas tree it was unbelievably cool thank you so much for being so kind and so awesome rob paulson and i'm not done with you yet but i digress uh we got some other chatting to do so here you go kids this is our experience um at Denver Comic Con. Uh the Comic Storian. I got an interview still coming with the Comic Storian. He is an amazing dude who does an amazing YouTube channel where it's uh origin stories, uh character stories, comic book arcs. Uh it's great for catching up on comics that you don't have the funds or time to invest in yet connect to the ones that you do. So uh it's an amazing, amazing resource. It's done incredibly entertainingly and uh I think this guy is awesome. It was very cool to meet him. So next week we we will throw on that because I don't want to keep stretching out these part ones and twos and threes. We want to get back to the pod. We want to get back to the L5J studios, flicking our bicks and doing our thing. So uh, for the last time in a little while, I believe, although you never know what happens, never say never, uh, this should be our last bit of con special for a while. So thanks for sticking through it, kids. Uh, to any of you new listeners who have come on uh, through all these awesome Comic-Con episodes, welcome. Hope you stick around for what is the, the bread and butter of the whole thing next week when we'll probably be back to you with a uh, you know some kind of regular stuff but for now enjoy the awesomeness please that was denver comic-con 2015 hello podcasters yakko warner here the only podcast we listen to in the water tower is an elegant weapon so you clearly are among the geniuses of the world good night everybody Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 151 of An Elegant Weapon. My name is Ross Jedi J, the Jedi Ross. Guess what, kids? We're at Denver Comic Con 2015, sitting to my right. Yes, literally, sitting to my right is the El Hawkes. I am right here. I am I am here to uh, entertain everybody. This is uber, uber, uber cool. So... Uh, I have been Denver in Denver for what uh, twenty hours, maybe about that, yeah, something like that. Uh, I've already got a coat filled with six joints, uh, one bag of jelly beans, one bag of hard candy, one cookie, and one brownie. Oh, we should eat that cookie. Uh, we should eat that cookie. Uh, so we are going to forego flicking the bick for the beginning of this extravaganza for a little bit of cookie munching. Nom, 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 we can be chewing it like Kevin and Steve. Right, right. Could be. Mm-hmm. Could be. Yeah, fantastic fun. I am very, very much reminded of Fan Expo uh, while being here. The Denver Convention, sorry, the Colorado Convention Center. Uh, massive, massive place. 
uh, very much like the Metro Toronto Convention Center back home. So it's the same kind of vibe. Uh, place is huge. Uh, a lot of new faces, a lot of new friends that we're going to meet. Uh, the only real friend of the show here so far is Mr. Mark McKenna. So, you know, we'll be hanging out and having a few paints with Mark McKenna there. But uh, how crazy is this, man? Three years in the making. We've been podcasting together, interneting together, tweeting together, and here we are sitting together. It's it's pretty crazy, actually, to wrap my head around all this right now. I, I, I think I might throw up. <laughs> To have come this far, uh, I'm so proud of our little network as we sit here. Uh, Josh, you got some beautiful banners made. You know, and th- that's the thing. We 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 started. I started doing this in 2009 or whatever. Yeah, you were and early on the game. We, you know, met up and 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 became stronger in in, in numbers and in just skill and everything else, right? And then this whole time, I've been like, I want to get a table. I want to get a table. Here, we were offered a table. I had 10 days to get it together. Yeah, they threw this at us. This wasn't yes. you chasing down or nothing. You did your usual press application, and they were like, nah. And then all of a sudden, they were like, here's a table. Here, yeah, have a table. It's on us, and uh, enjoy yourselves. Which is very cool that Denver Comic Con is having Podcast Peak, and that's where we are sitting. We are joined by five other podcasts. We've got uh, Real Nerds Podcast, Beyond the Trope Podcast. we got Human Echoes Podcast. And we got some kind of weird uh, abandoned booth podcast next to us here. Who is this? Most, mostly, mostly, mostly harmless. Mostly harmless. A punk rock talk show. These guys seem to be so punk rock. They're not even here. They're like fuck it. So, uh, but that's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, lots of fun guests here. Uh, media restrictions are very, very tight as far as our usual gorilla pod methods. So we're gonna have to do some hotel schmoozing and such. To try to get to talk to uh, some of the people we really want to. Because, kids, he's here. He is here in the same building as me, Mr. Rob fucking Paulson. The entire anim- anima- Animaniacs? Animaniacs? An- Animaniacs crew is here for a reunion say it with as American well. Accent, it's Animaniacs. As well as uh, Weird Science. Yes. Kelly LeBrock, in fact, followed us yesterday yes. on Twitter. So it's fun that, to have which was pretty tutorials. awesome. That was super cool, man. I, I look at my phone and it just says Kelly LeBrock. Kelly LeBrock just followed pretty much everything that you do. Yeah, totally. Jedi Ross got one. That was just like okay. So uh, she must have went on a bender. I, I'm taking that as as an invite to podcast with her, though. That's. I mean, <laughs> I would. I'm just going to assume. So uh, here we go, kids. Uh, there's going to be coverage, of course, across all our shows here. Francis, the other guy, is joining us as well. So you'll be hearing stuff on Critmo. Uh, you'll be hearing stuff on Geek Love Radio. He's going to be covering all the geeky, fun, speedy dating stuff, uh, the speed dating and stuff. So that will be super fun and super cool. And, uh, yeah, so uh, it's day one. We just opened, kids. We're going to have a lot of fun. I see some Sith Lords walking by. Very, and very the trash. Excited. And the trash. And Here the goes trash. The trash. That, that's the trash. But hopefully that means things are a well-oiled machine. So... Denver Comic Con 2015 Points of Interest Podcast Network. Here we go. This, let me tell you something. There's a very quick story about this. Um, for those of you, Randy mentioned earlier uh, that some of you may be writers, composers out there. Um, the following story, though, uh, truncated as it may be, is not meant to discourage you, but it's meant to inspire you. When Randy decided he wanted to write for Animaniacs, he had already won an Emmy for writing for Batman the Animated Series, right? Oh, yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. I love that story. So he says, yeah, 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 okay, but I, what I really want to do 
do is write music and comedy, and there's a song, a show, and a maniac sound right for that. No, 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 no. You just want an Emmy for drama. You write that stuff. I know, but I've got. I write songs. Okay, you write songs. Everybody writes songs. What have you got? So the following song that I'm going to perform that Randy wrote is the song Randy used for his audition piece. Thank God I have Rob Finger. Check this out. Okay. The United States, Canada, Mexico, Costa Rica, Belize, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, San Juan, Paraguay, Uruguay, Sierra, and French Guiana, Barbados, and Guam. Switzerland, Czechoslovakia, Turkey, and Greece, Poland, Romania, Scotland, Ireland, Russia, Oman, Bulgaria, Saudi Arabia, Cyprus, Iran, Iran, Syria, Lebanon. Kuwait and Bahrain, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, Belgium, Portugal, France, and Denmark, and Spain. India, Pakistan, Burma, Afghanistan, Thailand, Nepal, and Bhutan. Last week, I was at Motor City Comic Con in Detroit. I wasn't. And uh, I, I, I'm sure I would have tracked you down <laughs> if you were, sir. But I had the honor of sitting down with Mr. John Ostrander. And I touted that as the fact that I was getting a chance to speak with the man who wrote my Star Wars. For the second week in a row. Really? I get, hold on, for the second week in a row, I get to tout the same thing. Because, kids, I'm here with Mr. Kevin J. Anderson, Star Wars author, and, of course, author of many other fine books. So it's an honor to get to talk to you. Thank you. And I'm a fan of John Ostrander's and Timothy Zahn's. We all read each other's stuff. I'm sure so. there's, a, had, well, there had to have been interwoven times when maybe uh, your work's connected. Didn't oh, man, at, at canon the... canon and stuff? At the very beginning, there was a whole... Um, me and Timothy Zahn and Dave Wolverton and Kathy Tires, we were all like, can we do this? Can we not do that? And, and Tom Veach, who wrote the Dark Empire right. comics, um, I was like the second person who was asked to write Star Wars books, so I, I kind of came in to have to follow Timothy Zahn. So Tim sent me, uh, I got a, a pre-release review copy of Dark Force Rising, and he right. sent me the manuscript of The Last Command as he was writing it. So I was like, that that's what I was working on it. Okay. Uh, and working with Tom Veach on the Dark Empire comics. So I'm, I'm doing like this history lesson here. Yeah, that's all right. Um, I love it. But we were all like, well, how do we fit this together, and how does this work? And, and Tom Veach taught me how to write comics, and then we went off to do the Tales of the Jedi comics together. And, yes. Uh, so it all, it all was great. And then I did... Um, I, I guess the best example of these things was what the three anthologies I did, the Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina, Tales of Jabba's Palace, and Tales of the Bounty Hunters. Mm-hmm. And in those, I was the editor, which means like chief cat herder. Yes. And not nerf herder, a cat herder. <laughs> uh, and all these, I don't know, 15, 18 authors were writing stories that were set in there. And, and I guess the best one is the Jabba's Palace, where there's like a mystery that runs all the way through the book. So every one of these authors had to play ball. They had to know what the other authors were doing and dropping clues throughout. And I thought it would be a really cool thing, and I, I set up this whole idea. And then when I'm getting 18 stories and working with them all and trying to coordinate them, and, and it, it was like, was this really a good idea after all? <laughs> it turned out great. It, the, those three are the best-selling science fiction anthologies of all time. Are they really? So it did wow. really well. And, and I knew they I were just, big. I didn't know they were that big. That's, that's now they're, That really worked out well, and the authors played well together. And I got to, you know, it's like, like you guys play with action figures. I get to play with authors and stories. Yeah, and, yeah. and stuff. So. Well, it must have been an amazing thing. I mean, when you get the chance to 
continue something like the Star Wars universe. I mean, there, it's a lot of responsibility to fans, to the story. Right. Was did, were you excited? Was there pressure getting oh, into that world? Well, see, what was what was to put everything in context. Um, I wrote like seven or eight of my own novels, which I was working with the publisher and the editor, which is Bantam Books, who got the Star Wars license. Well, I didn't know any of that. There were Tim Zahn's book. I guess uh, Heir to the Empire had just come out. So there was no, like, Star Wars line. There was no, right. like, Star Trek books were all over the place. Right, yeah. But there was no Star Wars line. You needed to create and, it. Well, yeah. and so it was, I got this call from out of the blue from my editor saying, Kevin, do you like Star Wars? And I said, well, of course I like Star Wars. Everybody likes Star Wars. <laughs> and she said, do you want to write three sequels to it? And they were like, uh... <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, and you know, so I I agreed to do that, which meant I immediately had to take my work seriously and do my research, which means watching the movies and buying my Boba Fett toys and all. Well, these that's other all things. you really had, though. A lot of authors now could go back to your books, no. and there's people to research. Nothing. You well, had nothing but the movies. Well, that's good and bad, though, because right yeah. now they got a, the uh, if an author was coming up to read all these, they've got I don't know two hundred some books to read and all these comics and everything else. Yeah. So I had pretty much clear reign. I had Tim Zahn stuff. I had Dark Empire. And West End Games had done a whole bunch of really cool gaming guides that they fleshed out. Right, uh, yeah. the, the types of ships and the mm. histories of, uh, you know, Bespin and cloud mining. Right. So they, I don't think they get much credit anymore, but they really laid the groundwork for a lot of this stuff. I know Tim used them as reference. I used them as reference. Right. Mike Stackpole used them as reference. Yeah. Um, and so we, we kind of created all this stuff, and it got to the point where... Um, I mean, it, w- it was exploding because there were books all over the place. And that got to the point where we, the authors, were, were just managing this. Like, Tim, Tim, do this. Because I, I called Tim. I said, can you plant this in the last command so it sets up this character that's in my Jedi search right, book? Yeah. And he did. Uh, but later on, I remember I got a call from somebody at Lucasfilm that said, you know, Kevin, some other writer wants to do this with this character. Um, um, can he do that? Cool, though. Well, because yeah, we were, were the guys who before we, what Marvel's doing now, right? Like, you guys were kind of the no originators comment, yeah, of yeah, the whole yeah. idea of that kind Well, of thing. and now, you know, of course, now all of the books that I wrote and then all the other authors wrote have been sort of split off into their alternate... Well, yes. It, I was actually going to ask, though, I have been reading them forever, so mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you appreciated the support that a lot of the fans gave of the EU. Oh, it was tremendous. It, all the, yeah. Although I... I, I, I tried to do a lot of the, you know, just this calm down, calm down, calm down guys, because I also have written for Batman and Superman and other things. And think of how many times superheroes have been rebooted. That's what I right. Think, and, yeah. and that doesn't mean that every every other Batman comic has been thrown in the trash because they decide to reboot Batman. That just means they're going to do a different thing. And put yourself in the shoes of J.J. Abrams, that if you're writing, if you're going to do Star Wars Episode Seven. They would come to him and say, we want you to do episode seven. And, oh, by the way, you have to read these 300 books and comics and make sure nothing you do contradicts anything that's in there. (laughs) I I don't think he'd stick around very long. Uh, I I agree with the comics thing, though, because that's how, as hard as it was for me to let go of that's how things were, I'm starting to get excited about the prospect of a new vision of it. And just like you say, I was like, there's a million different Batmans. Why can't there be different Star Wars versions? Now, what's kind of cool to me is that, you know, they... They won't say that they're not going to use anything from the books. They're just saying they don't have to use everything from the books. But they have. And, and they, they haven't said that they're not going to use anything from the books. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so one of the phrases that they do is that these are now called legends, but some legends are true. Yes, yes, I love that. Well, uh, the Clone Wars cartoon, 
uh, you know, bringing on certain characters that came from the EU and now the right. Clone Wars. Oh, I saw so, some of my own stuff in there. Yeah. I'm watching the Clone Wars. Went, oh, cool, that's mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not mine. It's Lucasfilms because well, no, you know. But we, still, that's that's came from your brain. Right. That's your creation. That's got to be the coolest thing oh, to see. I, you know, I love like, seeing that. And uh, you know, there are when you write for Star Wars, you're you're. You're a hired gun. You write for them. Just like if you write a script for a Star Trek TV show, you don't own the Vulcans if you create the Vulcan character. If I'm writing a book in Star Wars, I don't own that. But they're letting me play with the coolest toys in the world. So am I going to get pissy about it? Of course not. I love these things, and I love this universe. And um, by working for Star Wars, it has certainly built up a huge fan base of mine that um, have followed to read my the dark the dark between the stars my seven sons books my dune books um, they, they really yeah. have been supportive and uh, I don't think I I have a book signing appearance that I don't have a handful of 501sters show up in sure. stormtrooper uniforms it's, great and, support, um, yeah. it, it's wonderful support yeah. um, and you know I'm I'm a fanboy at heart myself so by um, I mean, I didn't do this as a as a job. I wrote the books, of course, but like, holy cow! I get to work in yeah. Star Wars. Are you kidding? And the you know, a lot of people are asking me if um, you know if I'm writing for the next the next ones. And they, as they move from like different publisher and different licensors, that they, they tend to get get a new crowd of people. So I'm I have been asked to write them, but you know, this way I get to go see Episode Seven as an total fanboy yeah, I mean yeah. I've, been, I've been to some movies that I've worked on where I read the scripts and you know the magic's kind of gone I already know everything right. this way I get to walk in and I get to go alright when's Jar Jar coming on <laughs> That's maybe exciting. I won't yeah. think that but yeah yeah it's uh, one of my favorite books is The Essential Chronology I love the uh, essential chronology. I waited for a few years. That was, was like, a was hard book to do. I'm sure. I, I was hoping that they would update it, but now they kind of don't have to because we've moved. Well, it's all on. online and what everything. What went into that? How long does something like that take to put together? <laughs> well, the funny thing is they they asked me to work on it back when, you know, I, I, I had written a third of the books that were in it, you know, and right. there were other ones. And I thought, well, that makes sense. I could be the one that, that could be writing this. And then they kept saying, well, delay it six months, delay it six months. And it, it mushroomed. There was like, wait a second, now I have to work, put in 150 books that weren't there before. Right, and, right, right. And so I had to bring on uh, Dan Wallace, who was a big, um, I found Dan on, well, on on the internet. He was just, he was a fanboy who had done up this gigantic Star Wars encyclopedia of, of Star Wars planets and Star Wars weapons. And, and you're like, and, perfect. Well, and I went, I went to Lucasfilm. I said, well, we need to have him help. This guy really knows. And they went, but Kevin, we don't go to like fans with fan sites and I said yeah but this read this guy's stuff he really knows what he's doing in fact he knows more than I do about this stuff (laughs) and so we brought him on and and he kind of took a lot of the the work because I could I could write all the summaries of the books that I wrote and the ones that I had read but this this was going so fast I couldn't even read them as fast as they came out research goes into something and you got to get it you got to get it accurate otherwise you're not going to be able to you know you know, if you don't get something accurate, there, there's a very small chance that some fans somewhere might notice or complain about it. Right. Yeah. There's a he says with a real <laughs> smirk on his face. All right. I don't want to take up too, too much of your time. You have a very exciting booth going yeah. on here. Uh, how about you just tell the kids quick about uh, what else is coming up? Because kids, I mean, if you're into reading the Star Wars novels, you're in the Dune universe. Well, yes. You know, okay. speak a little um, yeah. Well, if you've... If you like the Star Wars books, I write big science fiction adventure stuff and everything. Um, I've got a trilogy that's the first book is called The Dark Between the Stars. And that right now is nominated for the Hugo Award for Best Science Fiction Book of the Year. Fantastic. It's a It's a big, big, fat, 
It's like a Game of Thrones with planets and no nudity, and it's actually finished. So it's not exactly the same. Um, but it's a big galactic war, lots of characters and aliens and killer robots. So it's like Star Wars in a way, um, The Dark Between the Stars. So check that one out if you like it. And if you like more of the funny stuff, I have a whole series that features Dan Shamble's Zombie P.I. Really? It's a really it's a comedy horror. He says he's back from the dead and back on the case, check and he out. solves uh, crimes with werewolves and ghosts and mummies and everything. So that that's completely different, and it's a blast. So right. I have fun. Excellent, Mr. Anderson. Thank All you right. so much for the years of All imagination right. that yeah. you have filled my brain with. It's greatly appreciated. All the stories you brought out into the world, and uh, good luck with continuing that okay. as the time goes forth. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks Thank a lot. You. No problem. So he writes songs about about everything, and we'll explore a lot of those this afternoon. But you also decided you were also headed down on an assignment to write a song again about pretty much everything. So you wrote this and countries and blah blah blah. And then you got we you even wrote one about, about the universe. The universe. Everybody lives on a street, in a city, or a village, or a town, for what it's worth. And they're all inside a country, which is part of a continent that sits upon a planet known as Earth. And the Earth is a ball full of oceans and some mountains, which is out there spinning silently in space. And living on that Earth are the plants and the animals, and also the entire human race. Well, it's a great big universe, and we're all really puny. We're just tiny little specks about the size of Mickey Rooney. It's big and black and icky, and we are small and icky. It's a big universe, and we're not. <laughs> we're part of a vast interplanetary system stretching 700 billion miles long. With nine planets and a sun, we think the Earth's the only one that has life in it, although we could be wrong. Across the interstellar voids are a billion asteroids, including meteors, and how is coming to. And there's over 50 moons floating out there like balloons in a panoramic trillion-mile view. And still it's all a speck amid a hundred billion stars in a galaxy we call the Milky Way. It's 60,000 trillion miles from one end to the other, and still that's just a fraction of the way. Cause there's a hundred billion galaxies that stretch across the sky, filled with constellations, planets, moons, and stars. And still the universe extends to a place that never ends, which is maybe just inside a little jar. Oh, it's a great big universe, and we're all really puny. We're just tiny little specks about the size of Mickey Rooney. Though we don't know how we got here, we all mean a lot here. It's a big universe, and there's ours. Thank you. Sorry, y'all. Yako's voice is a little bit strange, but nonetheless... How about okay. you introduce yourself? Um, I'm, I'm Kevin's writing protege. Okay. Uh, so, my career actually started, well, it started in acting, moved on to games. Uh, I was lead game designer for, like, Cyberpunk, the collectible card game. Cool. Um, I was a consultant on set for Alias, for ABC Studios for a really? little while. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I have a uh, Bram Stoker-nominated graphic novel. And I am a novelist. My first book was Time Travel. It's called Second Paradigm. Cool. And uh, <laughs> it's a cool little novel. It is very unique in that it is a time travel story that can be pulled apart and all the chapters can be reorganized in any order 
and you still get build-up conflict resolution. Wow, that must not have been easy. Took me six years to design the plot structure. I guess, yeah, just to design the whole thing. And I don't think that anybody who had not worked in games beforehand could have figured it out. Oh, because you have that way of breaking things up in your storyline. Wow, that's a cool... What made you think of doing it like that? Uh, I grew up on Doctor Who. I grew up in Germany, okay. uh, amongst other places. Uh, but I, I grew up watching the uh, BBC every Saturday morning and watching Doctor Who with my granddad. Sure. And uh, since my granddad had me reading Heinlein from the time I was eight, uh, <laughs> it, you know, the science fiction was a huge passion. It was a, a part of our life. And uh, it always frustrated me. Time travel is the one story that should not be told A to Z. Right. Yeah. And And... Even the rare occurrence of it not being told A to Z, you know, it's told backwards or this piece is moved here, it's still told in a way that it makes a new linear, a new linear story. Right. And right. I wanted to step away from that and that's so cool, I did. Because that's always fun when they do break stuff up. You get right. answers later to questions you got or you get answers and then later you get the questions like, oh, I see how that all fits. That was, I, I too am a huge Who fan and uh, a part of that is chronology drives me crazy. I love it. I'm a big Highlander fan for the same reason. Uh, I just love working with time and the way that all right. you know fits together. So, how about what's the main premise of the book? Like, can you tell us about some characters and stuff? Absolutely. Uh, the premise of the book is 40 years after his own attempted murder, uh, the inventor of time travel wakes up from a coma, not having aged a day, as a medical curiosity with no memories, and has to start remembering that he can time travel remembering who he is and trying to figure out what happened to himself the whole time that he's trying to go through that he is stuck in basically one time Um, the whole time that he's going through that there are a lot of different time travelers from a lot of different times that are looking back at this one spot going there's a massive paradox brewing there I'm going to go fix it and everybody's got a different idea as to how to fix it so it's not really a villain, but everybody is in conflict because everybody wa- nobody wants the world to end. Right on. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody's trying to fix it, and everybody's got... Their own ideas. Yeah, and so they keep messing okay. each other up. And one of the secrets, one of the little Easter eggs of the book uh, is that it actually... It doesn't outright point to, to the fact that it does it within itself, but it's actually following two mirrored timelines that are both shifting as they react off of each other. Okay. So there, there's a lot of little Easter eggs in it because I've, I've always been into time travel theory. So I know all the paradox styles, all the travel theories, all of the... And I play right. with them all in inside that one storyline. That story sounds line. really exciting. I think I'm going to have to read this book because uh, I, I love that kind of stuff. I mean, and it's so hard to pull off. I'm always so impressed with what they do on Who and when I'm reading these time traveler stories because it, it, when done right... It's so brilliant. But when done wrong, you can poke so many holes in it. Yes, you really right? can. Especially with a science that isn't concrete, that we don't really have in existence. There's a lot of theories about it, right? Well, so, there, there is, and there's a lot of conflict in modern physics. And, you know, depending on who hears this, I may get in trouble. But uh, Stephen Hawking actually... Uh, I don't Ruben, hear it, <laughs> Urban legend has it, rumor has it, that he threw a party at MIT and sent out all the invites. It was a time travel party. And he sent out all the invites to all these prominent physicists two days after the party. (laughs) At which point he was able to say, see, time travel doesn't exist because nobody showed up. I think he's wrong. Time travel exists and time travelers just don't like Stephen Hawking. Ooh, there 
is a good theory. So, yeah. uh, right? Well, it can be broken. It's really broken. I know Einstein has said he believes time viewing might be possible. But I know he doesn't think that actual physical transport is. So there's there's even more break-off theories, which is there's so much to work with, especially when you're working with fiction and science yeah, oh, yeah. fiction. So have you always just been obsessed with writing since you were a kid, or what brought you into the whole oh, yeah. field? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was, even when I was, uh, I was acting... Um, oh, right, you said, yeah. Right, yeah, I was in Revenge of the Nerds when I was six years old. Oh, really? And, uh, Thunder <laughs> Alley after that. And, Go ahead, um, it's all right. You can take your coffee. All right. We're not that structured. I want to keep you back from your coffee. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, so you just worked hard uh, to go to school uh, for writing? So, and... okay. <laughs> when I was acting and when I was that young, uh, you know, working like 10, 12-hour days for a kid, I wanted. To, I was like, oh no, no, no. The irony being that now that I'm, you know, an older and a writer and set in my ways, I work like 14, 16 hour days. But right, right. <laughs> um, no, at the time, I it just it was too hard for me at six. Um, and which isn't to say that writing is easier or that acting is easier. It was just not the form of story that I wanted to tell the way I wanted to tell it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because I did actually end up obsessing. And writing nonstop, yeah, even at that young age, I, I got more and more into writing. Uh, I just chased it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that uh, you're kind of coming up and learning a lot from uh, Kevin J. Anderson. Mm-hmm. How does this come about? Were you, say, a Star Wars fan or just a fan of his writing in general? Or No, he and I were talking as... as I hesitate to use the word peers, but yeah, he and I were talking as peers. Sure. Um, you know, he liked what I was doing with the indie community here in Colorado because I was an independent author. So you are local? Yep, okay. I am. Right. And uh, he just kind of grabbed me and, and pulled me aside one night and he's like, I've been watching you and I, I'd like you to work with me. And That's pretty rad. He chose me. super familiar with his work? Had you read oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who ha- oh, come on. Oh, yeah, Star Wars, Dune, who I hasn't know. read Kevin? I know. That's exciting stuff. I mean, I've read... <laughs> I'm kind of nervous if I get a chance to talk to him because I've read so much Star Wars, I totally get confused which ones he actually wrote. Well, we'll put, I'm I mean, gonna, that's part so of why many. I brought you over here, oh, actually, initially. Because <laughs> that way, when you do talk to him, you have the cheat sheet uh, of his go. Star Total Wars. Total cheat sheet, right on. Right? <laughs> so you can just glance down and be like, oh, yeah, nice. so uh, Darksaber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. So is this your first book, or have you done a few? Or? Uh, no, I've got a couple out now. All right, um, tell us about what's going on here. Bloodletting I wrote with one of my writing students. Okay. Uh, it is an epic fantasy and... <coughs> Sorry about that. It's all right. Uh, it is an epic fantasy and we came about because uh, an old friend and writing student of mine was cracking a joke, kind of ribbing me because I wrote a G.I. Joe book with Aaron Ritchie. Okay. I wrote a Veronica Mars book with David Boo. Uh, he was like, "Wow, well, man, you're, you're writing with everybody. I've known you forever you've been teaching me put your money where your mouth is write something with me and he thought he was just giving me crap you know basically right on yeah yeah uh and and, and my answer was okay uh, sure why not <laughs> yeah, do sure. you do a lot of cons like are you on the circuit or because i notice uh, i'm actually from toronto okay i travel around to cons a lot and i'm noticing the whole author thing starting to get bigger and bigger every year people yes. are taking much more notice to the actual authors well, who are coming to the shows they are and if you look at the display and the way that, that, that we've done the show yes I yeah. I do a lot of shows and I actually engineered our shows but okay. um, I know Cyberpunk the collectible card game was really popular around Toronto okay uh, amongst other places but that was one of the big 
hot cool. spots. Right on. And uh, I, 12, 14 years ago, um, used to bring the booth out for various shows, and that would be all East Coast, West Coast. Right on. But some of this booth technique I actually learned from some of my friends in Toronto. Oh, cool. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. what you're looking at here with the booth, this is not how other authors treat this. This is very different. Okay. Um, it's an impressive setup, though. I mean, you thank know. you. And and just by the attention that you're getting, it's it's great to see people not just straight up comic well, books. We like to read, you know. Yes. So it's it's we we tried to turn it into like a 15 foot tall waterfall of books and authors. <laughs> just since you yeah. know none of your listeners can yeah. see it, there'll be pictures. I'll take we're, pictures. We're <laughs> you kids can see later. But absolutely, awesome. yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. It's exciting because that's I, I do a lot of the reading because even though I collect a lot of the Star Wars comics, the books are it. The books yes. were my Star Wars, and that's you know? that. That's the root. That really is the books are the root. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do when we do these shows. Uh, there's several different layers of perspectives. Okay, for me, it's awesome because I have some fan base that is old fan base that come to me from games or, or whatever right that remember me and approach me and get excited to see me right but a lot of this is about developing new fan base like you you're finding sure. out like yeah, holy yeah. shit yo yeah. you're holy crap no, that's you're, okay that's okay <laughs> <laughs> trying to give you edit with material right yeah, no, uh, I you know, know. this is just a podcast okay. day, so all this right, isn't right, on right. the radio or TV or nothing uh, we're just sharing this with all our Star Wars fans so awesome. you know yeah uh, but yeah, no, it's it's like working with Kevin. You know, okay, so who's this new guy? Who who did Kevin choose? Like the the other people that are at this booth, they're Kevin's picks. They're his choices, his crew. Right. So right, it's it's yeah. kind of awesome, right? Yeah. No, that's amazing. It's like his posse, um, you know, for sure. So there's getting that, and then there's the flip side of getting to support. Like, you know, I read Young Jedi Knights. I read the the tales from Mos Eisley, tales from Java Palace, stuff like right that, on. all when I was a kid. Yeah. And. Getting to support that and bring Kevin out and watch these people who are getting to walk up and say, oh, my God, I read this when I was a kid. This is my kid, and they're starting to read it now, and I just, not only am I happy, thank you for helping me read, but you're helping my kid read. It like yeah, yeah. Getting to be part of connecting Kevin to those people. Yeah. It must feel good. Everybody yeah. here loves it. it oh, I'm amazing. sure. Yeah. Did he have any yeah. idea? He must have, was he, was he kind of clueless Kevin? until he started doing cons, how much people actually loved his work? Yeah. He was kind of clueless, eh? yeah. I hear a lot he's of people still, about he's still, that. He's still, like, every once in a while someone will come up to him with a story and he'll just, like, he'll have to stop, turn around, and, like, wipe tears away from his eyes. It, really? Like, he's... Yeah. Well, I have to admit, it wasn't about author, but Rob Paulson, who's a voice actor, the voice of Picky, Animaniacs, and all that yep. stuff, a big inspiration for me uh, in my podcast and stuff. And I don't get nervous often, but I was over there talking to him, and then when I started talking about my son being so into the new Ninja right. Turtles and how I was into the old ones when I was young, and getting to pass that down... For me, how it feels, for it just feels all around. You know right, what I yeah, mean? Everybody's yeah, so is. positive vibes about it. But I think it's great, especially with the... Uh, sorry, I'm blanking out on the uh, on the organization they have here for the kids. The Pop Culture Classroom. Oh, yeah, sorry. Pop yes. Culture Classroom. Uh, amazing idea. Getting kids to read any way they can nowadays is a fantastic thing, yeah? Absolutely yeah, it is. Yeah, you know? How do you feel about the whole teen genre thing? Like the Hunger Games and... You know, do you feel good at least they're reading... Or do you feel they it kind of dumbs in, things down a bit? I am in the okay. So there is a lot of a lot of answers to that. Yeah. Uh, I am in the process of uh, founding a charity. Uh, one of 
four people working really hard on this called Stories for Students. Okay. Um, that is taking pop culture stuff and pairing it with people who can, writers who uh, are educators or former educators who can actually create core curriculum. Okay. Uh, so that we can get things like uh, Connor Cochran is working with Peter Beagle to make uh, a modified last unicorn that we will be able to give for free to teachers and students. Um, You know, Bill Morrison with The Simpsons has expressed his interest in the project. Like, we're trying to bring pop culture into it. And we've been doing this for a while now, um, slowly building this thing up. So I'm... You you hit on something that obviously is very key and important to me. Right. So how I feel about young adult coming out of that. (laughs) There was an author that gave... An interview saying that when they created their particular, and I'm not going to name names. Of course, I'm not. Of course. Yeah. Um, when they created their particular teen icon franchise, they dumbed down their writing to make it more accessible for the teenagers. Now, this is a multi-million dollar sure. book. Right. I mean, this yeah. is something that has earned way more than any of my books. Right. So on one hand, I have to say, okay, well, you did something right because... You sold a lot of copy. Right. But at the same time, I want to punch you in your damn face for treating people like they're idiots when they don't deserve to be treated. Thank and you're you. half the damn problem with the country. Thank you. See, I agree. I was raised, my grandfather put books in front of my face and he expected me to yeah. read them. I grew up reading the classics, Robin Hood, Moby Dick, Last of the Mohicans. This is what I was expected to read. And I loved it. These stories were the most amazing stories. And then later on, I started getting into kind of teen books, like the Christopher Pike stuff back right, in the day. Right, right, right. And I, I enjoyed the like the fun of them, but I was like, you know what? Even at that a young age, like a preteen, I could tell it was being kind of dumbed down. You know, because I was like, I was reading you know, Last of the Mohicans at six. And why is that a problem? Right? Yeah, yeah. I went from uh, from Heinlein from from Stranger in a Strange Land was my preteen book. Right. Um, started that when I was eight. To uh, when I was actually like starting at ten years old, all the way through until probably sixteen. My young adult books were the Dragonlance books. Okay. Like right. Tracy Hickman, Margaret Weiss, right? right it's the yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Dragonlance. Sure. That's young adult to me. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I totally agree. I now, Divergent Hunger Games in particular are really well-written, Okay. awesome books. I love some of the things that are coming out of the new okay, young adult cool. push. Right, right. But anybody that says you got to dumb it down. Yeah, no. It's like, I almost feel like I had to step it up when I started reading certain Star Wars. So yeah. I was like, there's no mercy in these details. Mm-hmm. There's no mercy in these details. If you like Star Wars, you expect to be able to remember that Star Wars name. Yes, you know, you yes, want everything. You exp- I don't want to read a book that's well, yeah. nothing but expletive, like explain it to build the whole thing, right? It's like a taste challenge. You know, sit down and put put Dark Saber and Dragons of Autumn Twilight right next to, oh, say, I don't know, Twilight and yeah, some of the others, and it's obvious, right? What what the better fiction oh, is? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. hands down. Yeah, so well, this is fantastic. That's, I don't take up too much of your time, sir. All right. uh, tell the people well, who you are, where they can find your work and stuff. <laughs> uh, my name is Peter J. Wax. It's W A C K S, and you can find me at peterjwax.net, or you can just Amazon my name and check out my title listing. All right, and thank you so much. Yeah. I promised I'll be back. We um, because we were able to do a number of years worth of animated, I think a hundred episodes, right? Yeah. And so. Clearly, you had instructions to write songs about holidays. 
Yes, we had uh, Tom Ruger came by my office one day and he said, uh, hey, we just got another season of Animaniacs, so write a Christmas carol and make it funny. Click. I was like, you got any ideas? So, this is what I came up with. And this song won an Emmy for Randy. It did. Ran on Emmy. I think four or five. So, thank God I have been singing it, huh? So we open up in the Warner lot, which is in Burbank, California. It's all covered in snow, so we immediately know it's a lie. And we see the Christmas tree askew, obviously decorated by kids on top of the water tower. And we fade inside, and we see, um, we see Yakko and, and Dot are putting up decorations, and little Wacko is sitting at the table writing something. And Yakko says, what are you doing? He says, I'm writing a letter to Santa Claus to tell him what I want for Christmas. Yeah, but he's writing the letter, he's spelling Santa, S-A-N-T-L-A. Like Santla. Santla, what an idiot. <laughs> so Yakko says, that's not the way you spell it. Come here, Yakko, come here, Wacko. Yeah. He goes, well, how do you spell it then? And so he pulls out this big butcher block of paper, and we, and we do this. Proceed thusly. To spell Santa's name is easy to do. You write S-A-N-T and another A too. But Noel, Noel, Santa's name has Noel, and he won't bring you if you don't learn to spell. You will see Wacko and Dot walking up a beautiful hill with a bucket in their hands. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch water from the well. But when neither one could find it, Jill started to yell. And Dot goes, no well, no well. I can't believe there's no well. We walked all the way here, and I'm mad, can't you tell? We now shift to the good ship Pequod on the high seas. <laughs> Captain Ahab took his crew, his harpoon, and set sail. And he called out to ships, have you seen the white whale? No whale, no whale. No, no, we ain't seen no whale. We saw a couple of dolphins and a big yellow tail. We now see Yakko, Wacko, and Don dressed like something out of Charles Dickens in front of a beautiful Christmas tree. If you listen to this tune, then you probably can tell that you've heard it before. It's a song you know well. Noel, Noel, it's a song you know well, and we've ruined it completely, so we all say, oh well, oh well, oh well, yes, we just ruined Noel, Merry Christmas, and next year we'll try to Oh my god. What's not a good idea? Going to Comic-Con and chewing down a whole bunch of gunjibbles. So, <laughs> here we are, kids. Denver Comic-Con. I'm sitting here alone at the Points of Interest podcast table, just enjoying the view, doing a little bit of people watching. Uh, El Hawk has shared with me these uh, little cherry chocolate thingies. And some almonds and some yumminess to them. 
and uh, I'm kind of mellowing out right now. So it's kind of a nice place to be, but I won't be able to do any interviews for the next little while because uh, I'm just not paying enough attention. So uh, I thought I'd just sit here, try to fill things out a little bit, uh, and ramble just a wee bit. So it's been a fun time. It's been a fun weekend. Uh, Don't forget that we're covering all aspects of this convention on all the shows from... uh, uh, um, No, I'm good. Thanks, man. No, no, Mark McKenna. I'm okay. I don't need a beer right now. Yes, our good friend Mark McKenna has been uh, chilling around for the weekend, and it's always great to hang out with Mark. He's such a good dude. Just a good times dude. So, uh, yeah, what, I don't remember what the fuck I was talking about, but we've had a great time. Oh, yeah, um, a lot of the show will be covered across uh, other shows on Points of Interest Podcast Network, shows like uh, CMYK TV. We did a broadcast of that there earlier today. Uh, we recorded, actually, it led it to those edibles. It was me and Josh banged off a little bit of two J's later. For any of my loyal listeners who aren't familiar with my other little venture of a podcast, El Hawkaz and I, uh, we do a show called Two J's Later on the POI Network, and it is pure smoke em up bullshit em up chat em up situation. So uh, if you like to hear those kind of ganja-induced ramblings, even less structured than an elegant weapons, if you can possibly imagine that, check out Two J's Later at PointsOfInterestPodcastNetwork.com. Um, yeah, so lots of fun stuff. I got a bit from the panels we're going to put up from the Animaniacs panel. Of course, I got to meet Rob Paulson. Uh, so thrilling and he was so fantastic just incredible super nice guy and I'm thrilled to say that he did in fact remember who the hell I was because uh, as you kids know uh, hashtag Garmy on Talking Tunes uh, I've been pushing that for like a year solid it is one of my podcast dreams to experience the podcast gold that would be Ralph Garman and Paul or Rob Paulson uniting for the ultimate podcast in uh, in my soul and heart. Wow, this is pure rambling. You got to be careful when you eat your ganja, kids. You know, it might, I might recommend for Comic Cons you just you just stick to your doobies. You know, um, you got to deal with that smell. But I mean, I'm always used to being that guy at the con who smells, anyways. So uh, I think that's how I'll roll from now on because I'm literally sitting here at a table in the middle of a Comic Con high as fuck just talking to myself no i'm not i'm talking to you guys i love you guys and you guys are awesome and for those of you who keep returning the some of you that do i am eternally grateful for that and uh if you're always here for me i'll always be here for you kids booyakasha Yes. The bell is locked together, slapping wax and with the purse. Buttons chase his mini 